Hello. Hi. Welcome back to another episode of Ride the Podcast. I'm Adam Andrew Rios. I'm Darrell Anthony. And I'm Ashley Mitchell. And unfortunately, Brayden couldn't be here with us today, but he's here in spirit. Um, And we still have a very exciting and special episode coming to you today. Ashley, do you want to introduce our next guest? Oh, you know, I would love to introduce my good friend, but a good friend of the show and the podcast and the series, Chris Wright, the writer and singer for our theme song, is here with us today to just talk about everything, talk about her wonderful life and all that she's doing for the movement. Like, I'm super excited to talk with her. I'm excited. Yeah, she's very inspiring, and she has that tone of voice that's just like... (sighs) calming and mm. that's why you listen to her music right <laughs> <Both. There you. laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really excited for crystal you know um you know you can hear the theme song at the top of the podcast the top of the show that's her um crystal ha- has been such a huge supporter and i think what her and her husband are doing right now uh for black education is so very important so we can't wait to talk to her about that um but how has everyone been doing so far going into this pride week everybody good I'm hoping it gets more colorful by the end of the week. This time last year, we were getting ready to do our normal bar crawls and, and see play. Oh, New York hit phase two today. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so outdoor seating is happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Different I, mean, I don't know if I'll go out there right away. want to test the waters because Florida and Texas and are in California, they ain't doing so hot. They're climbing, like, they're climbing the way we did, like, in, in the beginning. Like, in yeah. 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 Um, I was looking at a photo today. Um, our roommate, Delvante, he works at a bar in Harlem called Mess Hall, as we stated in uh, one of our prior um, podcast interviews. And he, uh, I was looking today, and they were doing, like, the social distancing, because they, they're only opening the patio. So if anyone's ever been to Mess Hall in Harlem on 116, Frederick Douglass, you will see that, like, the patio is very, like, small. So the way they're doing it is basically only three tables. So, like, six people can go at the bar at, the, at a time, and it's spaced out. Um, I think that that's really cool. I would be interested in going out there. You know, like Ashley said, I don't want to get too crazy, but I do think it's very important for us to still continue to go support our local bars, bars who are struggling with, you know, yeah, that, that, that might struggle I'll with getting people. continue to get to-go drinks, because I we like love to that. to-go drinks. <laughs> we do love, we love a drink, mm. to-go or otherwise. And remember okay. to support your Black-owned businesses. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. I bought um, makeup from Juvia's place, and it finally came in. How was that? Have you tried it out yet? I just on, like, the back of my hand, and I was like, okay, I think... It might be a little too warm for me, but we'll we'll see. I'm sure it'll be just oh, great. So I will get my grubby little hands, <laughs> and I'll help too because I think that we are some paper brown bags. That I noticed like, my, <laughs> my I noticed my setting powder has been up. missing. And oh, <laughs> listen! If you go in my room right now, you can take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I sometimes find different things missing and have to go look in other rooms, but that's okay because I definitely want to use some of Ashley's lotion earlier. Darrell loves to help himself to any and everything in my room. But I really appreciate that I do it in front of your face because I want you to watch as I get it. You I also do. sprayed myself down with this Bath and Body Works spray you have in there earlier. No, it was really good and like I smell great. I'm sure you do, bitch. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we'll be right back with Chris, right? And we'll be talking to her about everything and how she's been experiencing the pandemic and everything going in the revolution that we're dealing with right now. All right, stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the podcast. We have our very special guest musician, singer, and my personal good friend. You also might recognize her as the theme song singer for Pride the Series. Yes. Right. Welcome, Chris. Hi. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of, of course. course. So thank you for joining us during this yes. revolutionary times. <laughs> I mean, what else can happen in 2020, right? Because it's like, we went Ooh, from- Be careful. I know, I was going to say. Listen, I need to, like, stop for somebody listening. Like, all right, we got you. We did a <laughs> virus, and now we're fighting for the right to live. Right, right, right. 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 I mean, if you recall, I remember when the Pentagon, just about a month ago, released footage of UFOs. Yeah, and yeah. They did. Things are so crazy down here. We're like, okay, whatever. That was like, yeah, that was like a, a quick little, like, <laughs> on the radar, and it was like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That and the flying hornets, and then the alligators eating people, and then the last one, the uh, what's coming in December? The asteroid. There's a meteor or asteroid, yeah, the, yeah coming yeah. towards Earth. So. Good riddance. <laughs> Bye. You know, we don't deserve it. We really throw the whole thing away. Really, we start don't. over. Yeah. The alien saw us, and they were like, mm, "They don't have their shit together." <laughs> we didn't come to mess with them. Yeah, we light years ahead of them. Let's just let them manage this. <laughs> They're about to kill their own selves, you know? We're Seriously. Just, we're just so, mess. Crystal, you're on the East Coast, the West Coast? West Coast, yes, I'm in, yes. I'm in LA. Okay, how has things been out there in California with the pandemic? Like, how are you been dealing with that? You know, we're, uh, so my husband and I, Ela, we're taking things, I keep saying this, we're taking things day by day, and that's accurate, you know, across mm -hmm. every vertical in our lives, things are, things have been shifted slightly as far as like our living situation goes, mm -hmm. and being home all the time and taking care of our dog, we don't have any children, um, but it, you know, our work situation's been different too. We've, mm -hmm. we've been pretty, we've been pretty conservative about it, you know, we've tried to wear our mask, I mean, we wear our masks as often as we can, we social distance, we do not go out at all, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we kind of aligned with what the, I think the culture was, at least in like metropolitan areas in California. So that being like San Diego, San Francisco and Los Angeles. But right. as we all know, California is huge. And so there's a lot of conservative parts of California as well that had issues with a lot of, uh, a lot of the rollout for the pandemic um, and kind mm -hmm. of how our governor, Gavin Newsom managed it. Mm -hmm. um, right now, it's pretty lax, I would say. I see a lot of people just out here, no masks, walking very close to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I noticed, I noticed yeah. that a lot of people, it was. It felt like it was like, ding, time is up. And it was like, all yeah. right, we're back to normal. And it's like, not it's this. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no. Like, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that people made the, the pandemic political. It, it, it made it political. Mm -hmm. It turned it into something. So a lot of people are not wearing masks out of defiance for their political party. Um, I mean, and that's just honestly what it is. I, mm -hmm. I see so many tweets and, and Facebooks and, you know, everything that talks about that. And they're just like, oh, well, I'm not wearing a mask because this is hurting my political party, whatever side you fall on. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very interesting how that's shaking out. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, yeah, it's an ingenious way for this administration to politicize yet another thing 
global warming, uh, the welfare of children in schools and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, gun registration or gun regulation. Um, Mm -hmm. And now this, the pandemic and how this has been handled. But I, I hope people are smarter than, you know, this administration. I think most people are. I know that's like a small sect of people out here protesting without masks and doing whatever they're doing. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I think it's up to people in um, leadership positions. And that's even in regards to like uh, employers to set the tone for a lot of these rollouts. I I know a couple of my friends who've been permanently laid off off of a furlough or off of a, a layoff. It's not necessarily a layoff, but a lot of people are either working from home or just taking some time off. And now, you know, employees are put into a really tricky situation. Um, mm-hmm. where they don't they? They now have to. They're forced to either stay on unemployment that's about to run out in a couple of weeks, or go into an unsafe situation. And then, if you're a person of color and you're high risk, it's just a. It's a. It's a very scary time. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's great. rough. It's complicated yeah. and rough. Yeah, so I think uh, California to answer your question is probably very similar to what's going on in New York. Yeah. 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 We're just starting phase, we started phase two, right? Today. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? So there now we have like outdoor seating at restaurants, um, some retails. Um, oh, here it is. Yeah. Office-based jobs will now reopen. Outdoor dining, in-store oh, retail, wow. uh, hair salons and barbershops and playgrounds are now going to reopen. Slowly, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I talked to my guy today <laughs> to go get my hair cut. Um, and he said that the way they're going to be doing things a little bit differently is they're going to be actually taking and sticking to appointments. So before you can just walk in and, you know, and just bar- wait. Right. And, and, and barbershops in New York, as Adam knows, like they're very like you can hang out in there, mm-hmm. you know, and people got their Coronas and, you know, he's like that vibe will be changing and it will no longer be a place to hang out. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, great. Because every time I go there, I just want to get my hair cut anyways and get out. And a lot of times it's like, oh, let me drink this and let, let me go get something to eat while I'm cutting it and I don't have time. So great, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah exactly. You can't be doing that no more. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know that they just opened up the bars here. We're pretty, honestly, we're pretty much open. Like we're, yeah, we're pretty much open. So as soon as a lot of the rollouts started, as far as like um, opening up our beaches for recreational yeah. purposes and not just workouts, yeah, everyone's like, "Thing, we're all open. Everything's fine. I don't need to wear my mask." Like, yeah, everything is open. Bars are the bars open. are very are interesting. Have you heard anything about the bars? I've seen. I showed Ashley a video the other day. It was in Texas, where we're originally from, yeah. and. People in town, I'm, I'm telling you, like, Crystal, there had to be, like, 100 people in this bar. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, like, they were turning up and not yeah. one mask in sight. Yeah. Like, I, I saw yeah, one picture. Crazy. I thought it was Nashville. The picture that I saw, I think it was in Nashville, but it could have been Texas. And, yes, I've seen a number of concerning <laughs> concerning images. Yeah, know? it's like, listen, I miss stuff, too. I honestly do. Yeah. But, like, I'm not trying to die for it. Yeah, <laughs> and the numbers are going up. Nothing suggests, outside of you telling me that this is open, that I should go outside. Like, right. right. The numbers are going right. up. The ICU is still full. Like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm good, love. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. so before we get into... Uh, the other pandemic that's going on sure (laughs) you know um first let's just talk a little bit more about you crystal so um for those who don't know me and crystal for a little bit grew up with each other 
in a little old town, Sierra Vista, Arizona. We sure oh, did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we sure did. We yes, sure did. both of our dads were in the military. So in middle school, it was like half of fourth grade through for me, seventh grade. Mm-hmm. We were like good Judies. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we were in choir together. We were both singers. And then mm-hmm. Crystal, you just like flew, flew. I'm just mm-hmm. waiting for you to be famous already. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I don't know if I'll, I mean, you you moved in seventh grade, was it? I did, because I was in Korea for eighth grade. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so crazy. I mean, ironically, I think that our experience, you know, as far as like the composition of the schools and that kind of stuff, it was pretty diverse in Sierra Vista. I know, actually. Yeah, I know Arizona, they get a rap, and rightfully so. They deserve their rap, and a few more. Um, But Arizona, Sierra Vista specifically, you know, they have the only army installation there. Mm -hmm. And so everyone from all over the globe would come there. So it was just really diverse, and I didn't experience a lot of things that I experienced later in life while I was growing up. And I think, and I don't know if that's your same situation too, Ashley, but I feel really lucky to have had the, the experience that we did growing up. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like it diversified us completely, like yeah. we're very open-minded, you know, yeah. uh, very worldly. Yeah. And then, you know, specifically. Amazing, just, you yeah. know. Just... <laughs> and Sierra Vista specifically, I, was one of my favorite places that I lived, like. Really? It was, it, well, it was just such a, a crucial moment in our lives you know middle school like your tweens your (laughs) things are changing and you know I've made a lifelong friend and you like that those like places where people that I love are there I hold Crystal was I have a a question to cut in here was Ashley a bad little baby because I want to know what trouble did Ashley get into when she was in school you were not I angel. am an angel. I know you had little pigtails and you was bad. So, Crystal, tell me what she did. Tell tell our listeners. I'm going to be honest with you. The only thing that separates Ashley from an angel is that an angel has wings. Ashley oh. was so good. Wow. <laughs> oh. You gasped me. Ashley was, Ashley was good. Like, she wow. was... She, the only trouble she got into is when she was hanging out with me and Ricky. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I said. I was like, Ricky, you're like, yeah, let's just ditch and we'll go play in the mud and then we'll cover ourselves up in mud. And we're like, oh, you know, it's good for your skin. And we just do <laughs> random stuff. And Vanita, Ashley's mom, was not having it. And just like, no, you not can be dirty it. little kids off my front porch. Ashley will play with you tomorrow. <laughs> Come on in the house, Ashley. Exactly. Like no, Ashley. For those who don't know Ashley's parents, she comes from a very solid household. Um, I looked up to, I, and I still do, I look up to her parents. They were, uh, they were just solid, you know, and super Aww. engaged into all yeah. you know, Patrick and Dion and Ashley's lives at a very mm-hmm. early age. They were all doing a lot of different things, sports and debate and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just, yeah, they were, they, the kids are a representation of what her parents are, which is solid. And oh, so, thank yeah. you, friend. Yeah, so, <laughs> so nice I, I didn't see anything. Yeah, and we were young. You know, we like all of our stuff that we got into was so innocent. So I don't honestly, I can't remember actually getting into any trouble. And if she did, I was probably dealing with my own stuff. So I don't even. <laughs> 
Or, or the reason she got in trouble. I mean, I love that. I mean, that is one thing that we can say here from the podcast. Um, Vanita and Otis have been big supporters of they're gonna first of all kill me because I called them by their first names, but let it slide. Because the next I'm thing sorry, I say, I I'm, Mitchell. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. We always have to remember, but they they've been big supporters of everything that we've done here. Yeah. Um, you know, Ashley's father's a preacher, and we have an LGBT-based show, and he's just shown so much love and and tolerance that many people have not you know and i yeah. i mean they, they really are a solid base and i did tell ashley that her father would marry me when i when slash if i get married because <laughs> i would want it to be someone that i know it's gonna work because i'm like well if he do it then maybe it'll work like they her parents marriage work because i really ain't got time right. to be right. in right. <laughs> right. they are the, they are the model they are the model <laughs> ain't nobody the trying to couple. separate or nothing you know i can't do it once you with me you stuck right <laughs> Nobody can divorce. Yeah, no one can afford a, a divorce these days. Not in this time. <laughs> Speaking of which, Crystal, you've been a big supporter of the LGBT community. Um, you know, you wrote, as I actually said in the beginning, you wrote the theme song for our show, Pride. Um, which everybody loves. Which everybody loves. Everybody loves. You can go <laughs> listen to it and watch it on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. Uh, <clears throat> but, Crystal, where did you find the inspiration to write the words for that? I guess from my own, ex from my own experiences, you know, um, I know that it can be, I mean, I don't want to say that it's the same experience, but being of mixed races, sometimes, especially when I was just talking to my husband about this, especially when it's not just like white or black, that tends to be more Westernized as far as their culture goes. You know, my mm -hmm. mother's Korean, my father's African-American. Um, and, you know, for a lot of my life, I kind of felt like a social pariah a little bit. You know, I was really never accepted into either community for either being too whitewashed, according to them, to be a part of like this black community and mm -hmm. then obviously the asians on one look is just like nah you, you you're not with us so it's just um i haven't right. really felt like i belonged in any one place and i kind of you know i kind of feel like that was you know a similar experience that ashley may have had not to speak for her no but it's true yeah the community that we kind of hung out with our little pack that we had in sierra vista was very similar and that we kind of just had to create our own way and i imagine that you know those who are feeling and su and have suffered from the slights and injustices by being who they are is a, a very uh, real testament that is similar to feeling like you're on the fringes of society. And that's something that I relate to. That's something that I have experienced. And to be honest, everybody has. So if you, you know, if you are a woman, if you're a person of color, if you are black, if you are anything, if you, you know, sit on the LGBTQI plus spectrum, you are you've experienced some kind of injustice or right. um yeah and so in that way I, I felt like i was able to write something that would resonate across you know something uh i guess an experience within the spectrum more specifically uh the the lgbtqi plus spectrum nice that's beautiful yeah. well as you know it is pride month right now um oh, <laughs> I think it's a beautiful thing that, um, you know, LA just celebrated the uh, Pride March in, in tandem with Black Lives Matters March. Um, how important do you think it is that they both support each other? Because I know sometimes, like, the Black community can, you know, look down on the LGBT community mm -hmm. and vice versa, or, you know, I know several, you know, gay people who can be very racist. Um, so, mm -hmm. how, like, how important do you think that is that they work in tandem? 
Absolutely. I think it goes without saying. It is the most important. It is paramount for those who suffer not only injustices, but death at the hands of the mechanisms of white supremacy, which are, if we're talking about the bubble of LGBTQ, and then we're talking about the bubble of BIPOCs, um, mm -hmm. we know that experience at a cellular level. So it's really, really important. I understand that when it comes to culture and religion in particular, there's a lot of there's a bed that's been established and a lot of parameters and partitions that have been uprooted to, to, to not allow us to empathize with similar experiences and color them in a way that, that doesn't allow people to digest it in the same way, you know? So yeah, I, I know some um, non-Black non and non-POC um, gay people in my life who have a difficult time understanding what the BLM movement is. Yeah. Yeah. I also have black family members who have a very difficult time understanding why uh, another woman would want to marry her, her soulmate who is the same, who identifies as the same gender. Right. Yeah. Um, but honestly, my personal opinion, and I'm just one person, this is my opinion. I, I, I think it's very important that we empathize with the, with the two experiences and under those umbrellas, there's so many gradients, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but we just have to set the tone. We have to set, we have to push forward with the momentum. We have to lead through our actions. And if they're not going to jump on board, it's very important for them at the very least to feel ashamed for having those kind of feelings um, against people who do not live the same lifestyle as them. Yeah. Family. Yeah, and, we, and I think, you know, all of us are trying to bridge that gap, you know, and yeah. we just got to keep on fighting. And I know we're going to get there someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you so, can only Crystal, Oops, sorry. yeah, you've been like very vocal and supportive and uh, stepping into action on social media. I've seen, you know, and it is really... Um, Honestly, it's been inspiring for me to keep going, even though I have that feel too, because I've been very vocal, but seeing I anybody that. that I see that keeps going, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah. I know you started a Black Education Matters petition and campaign. Um, can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So my husband and I were sitting around one day and we were just trying to figure out where we could be the most effective for the long haul. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the time we were obviously donating to all the organizations and we were trying to participate in at least two upwards of three uh, protests a week mm -hmm. and just trying to figure that out. And we have a lot of different resources that I'm following and pages that have been made that have uh, kind of laid out the petition schedules and that, that kind of stuff and um, just allowed people to be as active as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we were trying to find different areas where we could make an impact, you know, we were just talking about our experiences. Ashley, early on in this conversation, you were kind of discussing how you've been trying to maintain your peace and the conversations that you've been having, mm -hmm. um, you know, with, with uh, people who just don't understand what the messaging is and what this movement is about. Mm -hmm. And what we noticed in our experiences in these difficult conversations, my husband is Persian, by the way, for those who don't know. Um, <clears throat> It, he's had to have a lot of different conversations and not that they haven't necessarily been on board with uh, dismantling racial injustice and mm -hmm. systemic racism and mm -hmm. white supremacy, but they just don't understand the history of America. Honestly, I yeah. didn't know that much 
up until the last couple years, let's say 10 years, you know, these things are not, these things are not given to us in basic public school education. So in these conversations that we were having with people, we noticed that those who had a pretty thorough, thorough understanding of black history outside of the civil rights act in 1965, the voting rights act and slavery, uh, Mm -hmm. that they had an easier time conceptualizing how the, again, mechanisms of systemic racism led to the reality that we're living in right now. Those who didn't, those who had a very basic understanding, like slavery existed and it ended and uh, we should all thank Abraham Lincoln for that. Those conversations were an up, they they were an uphill battle. Mm -hmm. And so we found that education seemed to be the main component to kind of flick that switch of people moving towards progress and equality and justice for those who have been slighted in society and in our culture. Um, And so we wanted to bring attention to that. So we started Black Education Matters, which is a petition um, to, well, for the state of California, but I mean, I urge anyone who's looking to take action right now um, to take a hold of the template that we've made and reach out to their local legislatures um, and social city officials and governors and, and mayors within their city districts to kind of make as much impact as they possibly can by drafting a bill or doing whatever they can. Um, but the petition that we have is for the state of California, and really it is to um, build out the curriculum in a more holistic and truthful way um, in regards to the African-American experience uh, and what that has meant for uh, the reality that we're living in right now um, Mm -hmm. for people of color, um, but specifically for African-Americans. Yeah, that's amazing. I've been saying that like the same thing that it starts with the education. Mm -hmm. And it, like you said, how there's a lot that you didn't know. Like I didn't know honestly about Juneteenth until maybe like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you? They don't teach it Mm -hmm. at all. Well, we have this history that taught like. Yeah, so many people just found out about it this Mm -hmm. year. And that's a shame. You know, so much of our history is lost and it's very important and crucial. It's a a part of American history in general. And then it's crucial, like you said, to, for people to understand what is happening and why it's happening and then how we can fix it, you know? I mean, I really like what you said on that, actually, like, like black history. I was talking to someone I went to school with the other day and we were talking about everything, my friend Heather, and she was just like, you know that you remember that the black history lesson that we learned was only at the end of a chapter and it was half a page and it had black history at the top and it had maybe three to four paragraphs. That was what we were given in Texas history, Texas, where they actually came to let them know, let the slaves know a long time after the Emancipation Proclamation had been passed and literally came and said, oh, yeah, y'all free. Y'all been working. Y'all didn't have to do this. And so I feel that it's so important, especially in places like Texas, to actually have a Black history course in high school. Like, you need to learn that in high school so you don't have to get in college and try to find a Black history course on campus. Like, you shouldn't have to do that. 
it's it's I very disheartening. Agree. I absolutely mm-hmm. agree. It should not be uh, an arbitrary elective that you take in college, and most people do not take it because it is optional. Right. But you know, we are kind of researching right now what the school curriculum goes. You have like the core competencies. It's called. Don't quote me on this, but it's like the CCS and it's mm-hmm. core competency systems. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it's like a baseline of core understanding, the core baseline of a core understanding of what uh, what uh, American students should come away with upon graduation. Right. The only two subjects that are included within the core competencies are math and English. Uh-huh. History, it can vary from, from place to place. Yeah. Uh, but for California, I mean, they do go into, they do go into black history. So I don't want to, I don't want, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that point. However, mm-hmm. um, you know, we spend an entire year, our eighth grade year studying like Mesopotamia. We spend, yeah. Uh, yeah, we spend, mm-hmm. um, you know, years studying ancient civilizations, civilizations outside of the United States, which is also very, very important. Very important but we yeah. cannot pass over black history. We cannot pass over our American history to even call the dissemination and extermination of indigenous Native American people. The trail of tears is the wrong language to communicate the travesties and horrors that a lot of people of color have experienced at the hands of white supremacy in America. And so we do want to start here in California because California has tended to be a more progressive state and led a lot of the initiatives um, in amongst a lot of different core areas. Let's say like uh, paying college athletes. California was the first state to do that. And now Florida is doing that. So we're looking to our governor, Gavin Newsom. We're looking to our mayor here to, um, you know, to step up, to step up and be that person. We also don't have, you know, Christopher Columbus Day as a, as a state holiday, which it absolutely should not be. Um, and I, I know that a lot of the textbooks are all, you were just speaking about what's been being, what's been taught in the public schooling system. A lot of the textbooks that are created in the language that are used are created by older white men. Yeah. Um, and I researched a little bit of this and there are actually quite a few literary companies, uh, that are black owned and, uh, really? I guess people who are under the spectrum of BIPOC owned who just, d- they exist and have existed for t- over two centuries, but do not have the contracts with the public schooling systems. And I mean, we, I don't think we need to go into the reasons why this exists. So I think we right. also need to push our right. local public schooling systems, our, our, commu- our state school boards, our community school boards to re-examine the textbooks that they're using, the matriculation devices, the actual educational materials that they're utilizing. You know, textbooks are updated every seven years. Right. History changes on a dime. So if you yeah. can't get a textbook for that school year, you should be utilizing other resources, other, Absolutely. other, yes. other materials for people to be educated on what's going on voter suppression and what's happening right now, them removing the sec, you know, section five of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. This is why there's only gonna be one voting place for the Kentucky election tomorrow. I'm sorry that I'm going off on a rant. But no, 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 we like, need our listeners preach. to know this. I was about to say preach. Yeah, no, we I need our listeners to know this, this is important. Yes. Yeah, and these are just things that I'm now privy to in doing a little basic research You know, in the last three weeks, three weeks, so there's people who have been on the ground for years who have, you know, been doing all of the work, 
um, who have been completely disseminating a lot of the messaging that has created a lot of hurdles for equality and then in the mm -hmm. name of justice, you know, like, why are they looting or why this and why can't you be more like MLK? I feel like we've deaded a lot of those arguments in the first couple of weeks and we've been able to push forward and create some momentum that's been yes. significant and long lasting. So, you know, Black education matters. It's really an opportunity for us to capitalize on this rare opportunity in history that I have not seen in my lifetime to, to create sustainable change. And so however we can do that is how we're going to do that. I, you know, and that's a Amen. great leading into what I want to say. So for anyone who hasn't been near Crystal, she has this inspirational light about her that, no, like I'm dead serious. It's something that you just feel warm. It's, I feel like every time I talk to you, Crystal, I'm having a stressful day. And when I talk to you after having that stressful day, I'm like, huh, okay. Last time we talked, I was at the air, we were trying to get me to the airport and I was rest. I'm talking about bags <laughs> flying over and we sat down and we ate and you just gave this sense of everything is going to be okay because I think you know how to handle your emotions. And you recently sang live with on Bill Bell with Bill Bellamy um, as everything that was coming to light with George Floyd. That was a very difficult and pivotal time in American history. And I'm not just going to say for black America because it's just American because he was an American and yeah. everybody had to take a look at themselves. Black people who didn't know the history white people who didn't want to know the history and just people who wanted to fight. How did you keep your emotions intact doing that, singing that song and with everything going on? I mean, that was right when it happened. So talk to our listeners about that. Yeah. I mean, thank you for bringing that up. That, that was an amazing opportunity that was mm -hmm. given to me by their platform, which is Hollywood Live Entertainment. Mm -hmm. And um, it I don't, I don't know. You just, I feel it's very difficult to come up with this answer. Um, I honestly, if I, if I'm just kind of going off the experience right now, as I remember it, Bill Bellamy is a very warm interviewer. He's a, he mm -hmm. creates a very warm uh, community and space of like fellowship. And that's what yeah. I, um, and I also know what the majority, I knew what the audience was going to be. I knew what the timbre of the night was going to be. I knew what we were celebration, celebrating, which is black life and what we were bringing attention to. So it felt safe in that, in that time period. You know, I was on, I was on that interview and did that performance for all of 30 minutes, you know? So I, it, it was a little easier for me to carve out 30 minutes of the day to, you know, be in fellowship with other people within my community and be effective in whatever, in, in whatever and however way I could. Um, yeah. But I do urge people who are kind of trying to manage this reality that we're in right now, although there has been a lot of positive momentum mm -hmm. to find ways to keep your peace, you know, mm -hmm. and if that involves delaying texts, delaying emails, yep. uh, calling people out and yep. finding opportunities to not call people out because you either don't have the bandwidth, you know, it's not your responsibility <laughs> to teach everyone about themselves and, and history. <laughs> but if you do Say have the bandwidth, <laughs> if you do have the bandwidth and you want to take it on, fantastic. Sometimes I feel like, you know what, today, Sarah, I got you. Let me just break this all down. Right. Other days, other days, I don't have it. I don't have it, and that's yeah. okay. And that's okay. And that's okay, and that's okay. So however you find that peace and however you find that way of 
look, your, your mere existence as a black person is a revolution and an active testimony and an active activism in, in and of itself. You don't have to do anything but thrive. You don't have to do anything but shine. You don't have to do anything but live. And you are, you are being an, an activist in, in, in that sense. So if you can do any more than that, then you are doing enough. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah. That was was, very inspirational. I was going to say, yeah, here lately, I just feel like um, these interviews that we're doing, it's just, I'm getting so much more hope and like people Mm -hmm. hearing other people's experiences and seeing things and hearing things. It's just in these gloomy times we're in, it's just, you know, it's nice to hear a nice word and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah, let's let's slowly but surely we're we're on the up uphill battle. Yes, yes. operative word is battle. Remember, it's a battle. So there's going to be some dings. There's going to be some bruises. There's uh-huh. I mean, continuous. I mean, what has there been? 120 deaths since the death of George Floyd, since the murder of George George Floyd. So yeah. and then the hangings going on nationwide. We don't need to go into all of that. But this has been a this has been a constant battle. We uh-huh. you know. What did they say? Like, this is something that's existed. It's just the cameras are on now. So that's whatever exactly we it. can do. Yeah, whatever we can do. Even if all of us are doing a little bit, it's more than, you know, it's more than what was happening before. Right. So exactly. Yep. little action you can do that, that can be sustained for a long period of time is the right action. Yeah, I totally agree. Word. <laughs> uh, Crystal, thank you so much thank for you. speaking the truth educating us on education (laughs) and just I like I said I'm very um inspired by you and I'm very proud of you for everything you're doing and like it it really is helping so keep going thank you so much thank you thank you yeah I am just that's why you know earlier in this call I didn't want to really be cast a label as an you know an activist because I feel like we are all doing the work every day, you know, being a gay black man in America, you know, is activism, you know, being a gay, you know, person of color, being a a, a woman on the gender spectrum, um, you know, who does not identify uh, as cisgendered is is activism. So um, I want to encourage everyone to, you know, just just to just to live just to live and and to consider others to lead with love and to do what, whatever we can to create a better a better system for those who come after us hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. and crystal tell our listeners where they can find you um on social media and where sure. they can find the petition yes yes absolutely so we have actually started a page called Black Education Matters California. So it's Black Education Matters CA on Instagram. We literally just opened it up today and there's not that much available, but I hope by the time this is posted, there'll be a couple other resources up there for people. Mm -hmm. Um, But for just an immediate grab and some action items, my Instagram is at Chris Wright, K-R-Y-S, W-R-I-G-H-T. In my bio, um, I have a template Mm -hmm. that is drafted um, that you can just take a screenshot of or copy and send to your local school board, your state school board, and your local officials. What we found out as a FYI is that um, for a lot of templated emails that get sent out, they get flagged and spammed. So really Mm. we're asking people to, we're urging them to use it as a, um, as a, 
uh, a template. A guide. Yeah, as a yeah. guide, you know, mm -hmm. and if they could kind of put their own experiences in, in there or kind of change up the language a little bit, I think it would be more effective. Um, mm -hmm. And then the actual uh, petition, which is on the moveon.org website, it's Black Education Matters. That's also on my bio as well. So we, I mean, we haven't even been at it a week yet and we have a thousand signatures so we that's need, amazing yeah it's been really really great the response has been great honestly we don't really need to pitch it i think most people when you say black education matters they they're like yes absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely i've learned more <laughs> from instagram you know and a handle that's like doritos for all about black, you know about black history than i have <laughs> in 12 years of public education so it's clear, right. there's clearly a need so yeah um yes yeah, sorry Darrell, that was a long-winded answer no, <laughs> I, no that's the answer you need to You're get like listen okay. I mean, I love it. and it's it's interesting that you said it kind of twice on this no longer are we going to be silencing black voices or making black voices think that they are going on too long we have for so long been told like cut it off end it do this no you speak what you need to speak because that is more important important to me than anything in the world and I, I, I think that we've just dealt with that for far too long of being told like your time is up well you don't run the other people's reclaiming time. my time reclaiming my time <laughs> reclaiming our time so crystal thank you so much we love you and yeah, you mean the world I love you guys too thank you guys so much for creating this platform for us yeah. um and yeah whatever help you know you guys need on that end with whatever you know um I guess action items you guys are doing um, for pride and for that community in and of itself. And then also, you know, the by POC community, I am happy to jump on board and help in any way that I can. Awesome. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you so much. Well, yeah. thank you so much <laughs> for being, you, Crystal. Crystal, being a part of this and we will be speaking to you soon. All right. Thanks guys. Bye. 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 Bye.